Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Ballers! Welcome back to another edition of Today in Sports Betting. I'm Devin Ellington. Hopefully that is no knowledge by now, but if not, that's me. That's my name. At D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. This is a hoop-ball.com presentation under the umbrella of Hoopball and the Hoopball family of podcast networks. Got a really awesome episode today that I am beyond stoked for. You know, I don't want to do too much injustice to the guest by short-selling his accolades. So I'm going to save that and talk about something I do know a little bit more about right now, and that's a sponsor of ours. That's Manscaped. Going to get a uh, 20% off and free shipping if you use HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-E-A-L-L, 20. Lawnmower 3.0 just came out, fully electric, waterproof, because where else are you going to do it other than the shower? You know, it's easy. Gentlemen, get your lawn mowed, use HoopBall20 as the promo code, and we will take care of you, and they will do it also. Manscaped. All right. This is the time where I pull the curtain back, and I can't contain my excitement anymore. Um, This gentleman that's joining me today, Paul Carr of True Media Sports, director of content there. Like I said, I'm not going to do too much injustice. So now, Paul, I'm going to let you take it away, bud. Uh, How are you doing today? And thanks again. Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Always good to talk to somebody, talk to anybody just about given the circumstances (laughs) we're in now. Yeah, yeah, sure, (laughs) sure. Um, Yeah, so like I said, director of content with True Media Sports. You were formerly with ESPN Sports and Information. Wheaton, Illinois grad, Topeka native. So we, yep. we got some, you know, connectivity there. We were talking offline. I graduated from a high school out in Wichita. Um, let's let's talk about some uh, some of your background here. Tell tell sure. the guys and gals what what you are. No, I mean I think I got into kind of the sports world like a lot of people. You know, I realized quickly I wasn't going to play sports much past high school. You know, sure. the, the brain kind of worked, but the you know, body wasn't as uh, responsive as maybe it could have been. Uh, so I, I wanted to get into sports media. You know, I went to sports casting camp in high school over okay. at K-State and went to Wheaton where I was a communications major. Sure. And yeah, I did a lot of games on the radio uh, while I was there and a bunch of different sports. And I took a few math classes there, but I uh, just kind of decided that wasn't really the direction I wanted to go. I was like numbers. I was good with them. Uh, but I wanted to go sports media. So I did that. When I graduated, I came back here to Topeka, worked for about five years in radio, TV, newspaper, doing all kinds of high school sure, and college sure. stuff, uh, sports talk shows, et cetera. Yeah. 
And then I ended up out at ESPN after that. Stayed there for 10 years and then moved on a couple years ago to True Media. So they, yeah. you know, just inter- that's the path, basically. Very smooth lateral move, it seems. Uh, <laughs> now, you also host the Expected Value podcast. Right. Um, let's give a little synopsis or, you know, kind of like the first couple of pages in that book, you know, of what expected value is and, you know, what we could expect out of some, you know, content from you on that. Sure. I'm, our podcast, I like to talk to people in the sports analytics world, people oh, that use numbers okay. and in different ways and okay. just talk to them. You know, I, I like to pretend it's, we're just sitting down at a, whatever, a bar or a coffee shop, just kind of chatting. Sure. Uh, I won't, because it's even when I was at ESPN, you know, we were in media, we didn't interact with teams or mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. analytics types that weren't necessarily clients. And so as I've moved into true media where we work with a lot of teams, we work with a lot of different vendors and such, uh, you just you get to meet a lot of people. And I just want to pull back that curtain a little bit to somebody, other people on the outside, like yeah. general sports fans and analytics people also just show like, look, these jobs exist. This is what people do. Yeah. Uh, and let them learn about what are the paths that people take to get here? What sort of things they actually doing? You know, what does a director of analytics do for a baseball team? Sure. sure. You know, it sounds like a cool job. What does it really mean? <laughs> so my goal is just kind of talk to people yeah. and also talk to, you know, I talked to Greg Berhalter, the U S uh, oh, yeah, national yeah. team coach yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. a couple months ago. And he's obviously not as in the weeds as someone who's designing algorithms and such, Sure. but how does he use numbers? What are his right. keys to communicating the data? Cause he likes numbers and talks about them a lot. So I just want to talk about, talk with people all across the sports world. How are you using data? What are you doing with it? Uh, so it ranges yeah, from the kind of the high level user to the person in the weeds. So just to, Hey, here's what's going on. And I hope people kind of enjoy that as much as I do. Well, as much of a dichotomy that there is for sports betting and analytics and just kind mm-hmm. of the way sports are in general, I think it's ingenious. You know, it's just a nice Venn diagram of services yeah. um, as well as passion. So um, you know, without being remiss in my position here as host and producer of this episode, Paul, um, it is at Paul Carr with two R's uh, on Twitter for the folks to find you, right? Yep. Yep. That's me. I was able to snag that from another Paul Carr not too long ago. I was, very, I was overly excited about it. How much did you have to give him? Uh, I did not. It was someone oh. who was looking to... He, he didn't tweet at all, but he was looking okay. to kind of get off Twitter and get rid of it. Okay. So he's like, this is a good excuse yeah. not to come back on. I think he had like... <laughs> quit and come back several times. He's like, all right, I'm going to get rid of this and I can't come back now. Kick the habit for good. Yeah. Um, Worked out well for me. Yeah. So I've got a few questions, you know, in late in this episode that I'm excited to ask about Um, just to kind of pull the other curtain of the drapery back. You know, you have a very heavy soccer background, right? And we'll, we'll dig a lot more into it, but just an overview, like you love soccer, right? Sure. Yeah. And it really started like the first thing was really the 94 world cup. So I was a teenager. Ah, Okay. Uh, because, you know, there was no MLS before that. Right. You, you could really couldn't watch much of anything sure. European soccer wise here. Yeah. So the 94 World Cup. I always loved the Olympics because I grew up as a swimmer. Uh, so the okay. Olympics were a big thing in our family. So I think some of that international flavor carried over to right. the World Cup. Um, so I love that. Uh, MLS started a couple years later mm-hmm. uh, in Kansas City. So about an hour from where I grew up. The Wizards, and right? That's right. The Wiz yeah. for one the year, Wiz, and the, yeah. which is even worse. And yeah, then the Wizards. <laughs> so Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so yeah, then I went to college. Uh, the 98 World Cup was about that time also. So right. that came back. And then Wheaton's men's team won, soccer team won the national title the year before I got there. Okay. Uh, so they were, and they were kind of a perennial top 10 type of team. So yeah. I started working with the team 
media relations, radio, and traveling. And I'd always watch a lot of games yeah. uh, on buses and stuff. So that's really where I learned the European game because I didn't sure. know much of anything about just how it functioned. So right. between that, a couple of friends I had who had lived overseas and, and knew it better, I, that's really where I learned the global club, especially nature of the game. Um, so then, then it's just started watching, you know, champions league was on ESPN. That was the most accessible, accessible sure. thing. Then played a lot of FIFA Oh yeah, with oh, my yeah. brother, which is I mean, <laughs> a, a very underrated way to learn the sport, just yeah. simple stuff like playing these multiple competitions at once, or sure. why is this guy suspended here, but not there? Why are we playing this team twice in two weeks or whatever is, you know, all that yeah. stuff that's aggregate elementary if you learn, but yeah, what does aggregate score mean? <laughs> uh, all that stuff. So all that just kept growing the game. It started to become a lot more accessible on television yeah. uh, in the early to mid 2000s. So I could watch just a lot more, you know, so maybe La Liga's on and the premier league is more available and all that stuff. Right. Uh, so all that just kept growing. And then when I got to ESPN in 08, it was right before Euros that summer. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. they had no soccer researcher. I jumped on that. Uh, suddenly the world cup was a company priority, which right. just became a huge deal. And I was the lead stats and info guy for that. And it just kind of kept growing at ESPN. And I was in the right spot, the right time was able to take advantage of those opportunities to uh, be the lead soccer guy. Right. As the sport was really exploding at the company. So it, just got to do a lot of a lot of great stuff off of that well it just sounded like a perfect launch pad for what your passions were and you know for those of the listeners that aren't and we actually we got a few kansas city and missouri folks that have reached out on twitter so i know i got some regional followers within this podcast but for the rest of the people that don't know topeka's actually got some really solid high school soccer mm-hmm. programs and have you know uh, yeah. had for 25 30, you know topeka's yeah. uh, seaman yeah. washburn Yep. Uh, so, yeah, going back to when, I mean, high school soccer really got started in Kansas, I think it was the early 90s. Sure. And Topeka High was one of the better yeah, programs t- for a original. while. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Washington Rural's a perennial, like, semifinalist in Class 6A. Sure. Yeah, Seaman, yeah. Shawnee Heights are yeah. both, you know, up, up and tend to be pretty strong on the boys and girls side. So, yeah, there's a, I mean, I grew up playing Sunflower Soccer in oh, Topeka. Yeah. You know, it seemed like everybody did. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, and that was, you know, that was in the late 80s, early 90s. So, sure. yeah, there's, there's always been something there here in Topeka. So, well, you know, it's now, not at, say, a Kansas City level, just from a sheer right. volume standpoint. Yeah. But, but, yeah, there's always a, a decent culture. You know, I know a lot of people who drive to Sporting KC games and such. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Cauldron. Yeah, no, and yeah. I was – um. You know, I was even just going to briefly bring up Blue Valley. You know, I mm-hmm. think, you know, just a couple of years ago, they became the second uh, largest youth soccer program behind mm-hmm. uh, one in North Carolina. Um, so obviously some universities out there have some great programs and all. But all right. So we talked about the ESPN stats and info, you know, a little bit. You, you joined in 2008. We yep. talked a little bit how you rode the whipple, uh, ripple of that and had some real good success within that and creating your own niche and uh, success talk about how the opportunity exactly came to fruition mm-hmm. you know if it was you know a, a direct correlation out of college um and then you know 2008 to win what what was the bookmark uh, on the right side of the shelf yeah yeah so i found i literally found the job application online and no i just applied to it like, i i vaguely knew about espn's research department only because i I had some loose connections through some division three basketball stuff with a guy oh, yeah. who was uh, the baseball tonight researcher, okay. uh, Mark Simon. So I, I vaguely knew it existed, Simon, but yeah. I didn't really know 
any, I didn't know anyone there. Uh, I had one guy I went to school with who interned at ESPN as more on the production assistant side. So I, I vaguely knew about it. Um, but I remember reading the job description and it's, you know, they, it required a deep knowledge of sports, both current uh-huh. and historical, sure. which I was, was right in my wheelhouse because yep. um, sports history is, I was, one, I was the kid who read every sports biography at the library and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, having worked in media, you know, I knew, having both called games, produced shows, hosted shows, right. just had a kind of a good innate sense of what's interesting from kind of a research note standpoint. So I, I just remember reading the description. I was thinking like, man, this is my wheelhouse. Like, yeah. This just yeah. seems like the perfect combo of media, of statistical knowledge of right. sports knowledge um and so and on top I, yeah. of it all something you would enjoy doing right yeah it's fun it's working on shows like working on live tv is right. a rush you know if whether it's a random sports center show or whether it's a world cup broadcast sure uh, that's tough to replicate yeah so yeah i went through the process i think they got about 300 applications um actually didn't get the job right away they, oh, they wow. i was the runner-up for a variety of reasons initially, which was good for me because I'd gotten married the week before and didn't really want to move immediately. There you go. Uh, but about what, four months later, they called me up and said, Hey, we've got a, you know, somebody left, we got an opening. And so, you know, a, a few hoops to jump through there, but right. yeah, started in early 2008 and did a lot of stuff there. I mean, I did euros right away. I started yeah. doing Mike and Mike in the morning for oh, no way. that for about two years, which yeah. was great fun because yeah. the radio background, that was, yeah. I mean, that was this kind of the pinnacle it was of a good sports blend. talk radio. It was yeah. great. The only yeah. downside was I had to get up at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, they started uh, early. What? Like yeah. five, they started at five. It would go at five central time. Yeah. yeah. Six Eastern. I was yeah. up at two in at three just yeah. to do prep and graphics and things like that. So did you go, you went out to Connecticut then to the campus? Right. Yeah. Yep. Sure, yeah. Sure. Lived, I lived uh, like three blocks from campus for my first year and then moved a couple miles away. Uh, it was yeah. nice to be close since it was working crazy hours. So yeah. I did Mike and Mike for two years, did a lot of sports center after yeah. that. Uh, and we just kind of bounced back to soccer every you know six months sure. or so sure. when there was a major tournament coming back around Yeah, and always doing soccer stuff in the meantime, you know, maybe a U.S. qualifier. I'm going out to be on right. set. Uh, with everybody yeah at some mls cups things like that so uh yeah and then after that you know things just kind of start changing toward you know the mid to late 2000s soccer was i don't know if it was less of a priority at espn but it was different you know we didn't have the world cup rights after 2014 and that's the best thing to do right so it was that it was you know had a daughter, so I have a family. Yeah. So you're, you know, working crazy hours is a little less appealing. It's sure. part of the business and that yeah. was fine. Yeah. Um, and getting back home close to yeah. family and friends. So just kind of all that uh, led me to True Media, which is a company that creates analytics platforms, websites gotcha. for teams and media. So ESPN yep. used True Media's websites. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember basically, seeing uh, their yeah. uh, tags and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they try. True Media basically takes all the data and makes it easy to use websites. So I don't have to know how to use SQL to pull data out because True Media has built a site that uses filters and such and makes it very user-friendly. Very nice. So I knew them, having worked with them for several years. I knew a couple of people from ESPN who had gone over there. And yeah, so eventually that just worked out. And there was the right job, the right time. So I took that and then eventually moved back to Kansas where I'm at now. So I've been here, what, almost two years or two plus years. Yeah, now at True Media. Like I said, you know, it seems very lateral for you and you just kind of continue to, you know, create this, you know, awesome niche of just soccer knowledge. And to be honest with you, Paul, we haven't ever had anyone on the show that probably got the immense 
data bank, uh, data brain that you have with soccer. So I'm excited to dig more specifically into your soccer background. Um, so we spoke offline a bit about how ingrained sports betting and soccer specifically is in the English and UK way. Could you enlighten us a little bit uh, more about how and why the, you know, English soccer betting circuit is, you know, alive and has been for a while? I mean, my, a couple, two points, I guess. One is like my intro to English soccer, a lot of it was through betting in the sense that, you know, 20 years ago, a lot of the stories and whatever on the web were basically just betting sites. It's like game previews. It's like these, it's more just like notes, but it'd be on, you know, let's say like bet365.com or I don't know if they were around that day, but you get the idea. And it'd just be like, Hey, Arsenal, Liverpool are playing this weekend. Here's a few notes. And it would be simple stuff like the last five times they've met or how many goals per game are they averaging in their last few, you know, very simple stuff. But in the early stages of the internet, that was one of the easiest places to get information. So, so that was part of it. And then, so I've been to London several times for work over the past um, 10 years or so. And you just walk down the street and there's little betting shops. No way. And you know, it's, it's almost as ubiquitous as Starbucks or something in the U S oh. yeah. We're, we're so it's, and you're at, some of them have betting windows at the stadium. I gotta get so my passport. Very much like, you know, I think we probably think of the Kentucky Derby, you know, if oh, we go to yes. the Kentucky Derby, which I haven't been to, but would love to, uh, you know, you're going to place a bet on somebody like mm-hmm. you're going to bet on a horse. You're going to yeah. whatever, take your $2, pick a horse, whatever it is. Uh, it's kind of the same thing over there where it's just a very common, I'm going to the game or a game, or I'm going to watch the game on TV. I'm going to run down the street, plop a couple pounds down on yeah. whatever. Uh, so it's just kind of a natural part of the culture, it, you know, as like the why and the how I, I can't necessarily speak to, but it's there. And sure. so as I learned more and more about it and got the experience, it was just kind of a natural thing to keep moving into for me. Gotcha. So it's not so much a scarlet letter over there, more so like maybe a magenta or a nice, yeah. maybe a fuchsia. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, I don't know, it's maybe it's like fantasy sports is here. Or right, something. sure, maybe sure. It's more I mean, along those lines or something. Yeah, and we, we've got contributors over in Australia and the UK also here with Hootball. So I've heard some of these stories as well. And I've actually, you know, just to uh, talk a little bit about a personal experience, just knowledge I've gained, uh, points bet, you know, they were one of the old or they – I want to say the or one of the oldest sports books Mm -hmm. over there starting in UK. And they've been around taking and handling, uh, you know, handicapping and wagers for quite some time. And they're actually in the fresh crop of American domestic markets now. And they're starting to pop up in some really great spots like Illinois, Indiana, right here in our uh, wheelhouse of the Midwest. So uh, shout out to Patty Sins. She's a great (laughs) affiliate with them. And uh, I've learned a lot about points bet and kind of where, I started actually figuring out that the UK was doing it a little bit different was because of what I learned about points bet. Um, to continue the soccer talk here, and I think I've answered my own question here by curiosity, but was the pitch where you found your first love for betting? Or, I mean, and, and again, why uh, soccer, you know? like Yeah, I'd say from like actually doing, you know, anything beyond like NCAA tournament pool or ooh, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I remember reading some books about, I think Chad Millman wrote a book years ago about like a season betting college basketball in mm-hmm. Vegas. So, so I remember reading a couple of those that were oh, just kind of interesting because it's, it's sports. 
there's obviously a little bit of an edge when you add the gambling side. Sure. Uh, there's a math element to it that mm-hmm. I think I always found appealing. So yeah, soccer is kind of where it is what pulled me into it a little bit more as uh, just, just because again, like I said, it was, it was very normal part of the game. It wasn't, it didn't have the taboo kind right. of that it did maybe in the U S a decade or two ago. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think some of the interest was there and then soccer kind of pulled that over the top uh, for me. Yeah, sure. It's just kind of like you were able to layer, you know, those two film sheets and it mm-hmm. just lined up perfectly. And yep. for me, selfishly, that, you know, that is what got me into sports betting because I love sports so much. And like you, I love numbers. So it was a good way for me to just find another thing to obsess about with sports yeah. and just look at it in another whole different scope. And yep. um, so I hear exactly what you're saying there, Paul. Um, now I'm very interested cause you said you've read some books. Um, and then you've, I, I just kind of want to see what kind of, you know, better and player you are. I mean, you are great with numbers. So I was hoping you could give me and the listeners, you know, one angle or an approach that you enjoy taking while betting on soccer. What, what, is, yeah. what, where's your core brick placed with your algorithm? Yeah. So generally I'm, I'm looking, trying to look at the underlying numbers. So I mean, okay. soccer is obviously there aren't many goals scored which Correct, means yeah. there's a lot of randomness and yeah. one little fluky bounce whistle, whatever it is can really change a game. So all that to say in soccer, maybe more than any other sport, the result of the match itself can be kind of random. Okay. So if I'm going to analyze it, I want to try and dive a little bit deeper and you know, this kind of in the soccer numbers world, this started, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, yeah. especially just things as simple as look at shot volume. Okay. You know, if you take more shots than your opponent, you are going to do better over the long haul. And that correlates more year over year success. Uh, it's just more predictive than okay. pure results. So or I guess really the first step is goals. Because you, yeah. you often see things like, hey, these two teams have the same number of points, but the goal difference is way better for this team's, and you know they're better. Right, right. So that's your very first layer, I guess. And then you can trickle that down underneath the shots. And, and then beyond that, another step down is expected goals, which is basically measuring shot quality. So. Yeah you know, a penalty is scored almost 80% of the time. So it's worth almost 0.8 expected goals. Gotcha. You take a shot from, you know, wherever to 25 yards away, mm-hmm. uh, that's scored one out of a hundred times. That's worth 0.01 expected goals. So you add all that up and you okay. just get a sense of shot quality. Okay. And it's more predictive than goals or even shots have proven yeah. to be. So I try to look at these underlying numbers and see what there is beyond just the score. Like, Hey, this team's won a couple games, but hey, maybe they got really lucky. Got a like, lucky or the one long range shot or they yeah. drew a penalty or whatever. And they weren't really creating many chances or good chances themselves. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So, so that's really what I 
try to, it's where I start at least usually, uh, once I get beyond just kind of my general, you know, you look at the lines, like, all right, here's what I think I like. Then it's kind of looking at the numbers, seeing maybe what I'm missing. Right. Uh, are there some reasons to back this up? Uh, things along those lines, as far as, uh, Hey, maybe this team's better than expected. You know, I can right. use, uh, like before last season, I really liked the under on Tottenham's point total. Okay. Because the year before they had, I don't know, this, I forget the numbers, but they were about 20 goals above what kind of it looked like they should have been for their goal oh, difference. Okay. I see. Uh, some of that was good finishing, some of that was good or fortunate defense, whatever the yeah. reasons. And their point total was really high. I think it was higher than the year before, right around right, there. Right. Um, so to me, that was reason to fade Tottenham. Yeah. And, you know, that one worked out. Sure. Uh, you know, I had the same thing for Crystal Palace this year. Yeah. They were yeah. they finished 12th last year, but mm-hmm. their numbers were horrible underlying. Of course, they went out and won their two, first two games this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, those bets aren't looking <laughs> as great right now. But so it doesn't always work out. But that's kind yeah. of my general idea is like, what can we look at beyond your basic results and things like that to yeah. learn a little more about how these teams are doing and such? Yeah. Well, and, you know, to piggyback on your point of it doesn't always work out, what other glorious thing can you do and you know where if you hit at 53 to 55 percent you're feeling mm-hmm. pretty good so right for me growing up as a mediocre uh <laughs> student you know for me to say like oh i can get a 55 and i'm doing good <laughs> no that's uh that's awesome um you talked about some futures at tottenham crystal palace um how do you feel with Bundesliga? You know, I feel like their season just wrapped up and now they're, yeah. they're, they're playing again. Right. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, it's, it's weird starting. Yeah. Champions league ended less than a month before right? the season started for these, I think closer to two months for some of the leagues, but sure. still your transfer window shorter, your preseason shorter. Yeah. Um, I mean, my general approach a, is generally be cautious early in the season. Cause who knows, but yeah, generally it's kind of, stick with what is kind of known. So I mean, sure. you've seen some of these, like we'll just use the promoted teams in the Premier League so far. You know, yeah. Fulham hasn't been very good. Yeah. Uh, which, and they've had mostly the same lineup they had before. You know, they haven't worked in all their new acquisitions. You know, gotcha. Leeds has been basically what they were in the championship last year, which is pretty good, high pressing, kind of entertaining, a little bit crazy games. We've seen yeah. that so far. West Brom has been, you know, they're the newly promoted team also. Right, and they've right. been kind of like Fulham, just a little gotcha. bit outclassed so far. Yeah. So, Try not to get, try not to outsmart myself really early on. Right. No like, analysis or paralysis yeah. by analysis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go too crazy, especially when we haven't seen a lot of this, this level, you just have to kind of go with what little, you know, that's left right. over from last season, which wasn't yeah. as long ago as it usually is. Right. And you know, we've never had an off season like this within any right. of these sports. So, um, when things got desolate, you know, at the beginning of the shutdown and everything, I was desperate because, you know, <laughs> there were itches to, and I was figuring out what to scratch it with. And uh, the Belarus Cup, Belarus, and I played it. Be- uh, Belarus, yeah. Belarus. Yeah, yeah. they were the fir- the one of the first Turkish, leagues back. Turkish Liga, and then the mm-hmm. v- Varsh, oh, it's a Russian league, Varshkriga or right, something. Right, whatever they call it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was dipping into that, Korean baseball, Czech Republic and ping pong. Yep. I was trying. I was trying, Paul. Uh, so, <laughs> And then, you know, obviously Bundesliga was one of the forefront runners right. and the charging uh, leaders of, you know, let's make sure we handle it healthily, but let's get our soccer league back. So I yep. actually started looking into some teams in the Bundesliga and I think I found that I like Schalke. You know, they're not, yep. they're not like a, I don't know. They're, for comparison's sake, I mean, I'm a Cubs fan in real life, in baseball. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I know mediocrity when I see it. And, yeah. 
Um, so Schalke just kind of seemed appealing to me. I don't know. They had a couple players that mm-hmm. I really liked, a defensive man, a striker. So, yep. um, and like you said, some of those underlying numbers, goal differential, I saw that they kind of just had like an even line. They didn't do anything too great, but uh, any noise that Schalke might make for this new uh, upcoming season? Uh, you know, I mean, they really struggled toward the end after yeah, the pandemic basically coming back. They were pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, traditionally they're a they're one of the top handful of German clubs. You know, they're not at a Bayern or maybe a Dortmund level right now, sure. but they're in that kind of next tier of half a dozen teams that is, you know, almost always in the Bundesliga. Yeah. They'll make Champions League now and then. Uh, yeah, you know, they just have, they got to figure something out. I and mean, they got a coach in David Wagner who actually played for the U.S. internationally. Oh, okay. He's from Germany. Okay. Uh, and they just don't quite look like they've kind of figured it out since yeah. uh since everything went on break so i mean yeah. they should be okay i know there's some upper management issues too that i'm not intimately familiar with but gotcha. it seems like it may go beyond just being unhappy with the results yeah and but i mean they're a relatively large team they should have the budget and the wherewithal to you know develop players and you know get a few players that they want and you know that there's still selling a few this old western mckinney american kid to, you oh, know, yeah. just got some money for that yeah. so i mean they should be okay because this is again this is one of the top half bundesliga clubs and sure again they have the budget they're not scraping by but yeah they, they just seem like they they're struggling to figure it out whether that's the manager whether it goes higher than that i'm not totally sure gotcha. but they do have some work to do and if they can sort that out which isn't necessarily easy they can get back and be in one of those fringe champions league bundesliga clubs that they have been recently sure sure now, you talked about some college basketball real briefly, and I'm just kind of grabbing at some straws here because you're mm-hmm. saying some interesting stuff, and I just kind of want to continue down the rabbit hole. Um, college basketball, you know, I want to talk – I'm going to have you – I'm putting you on the spot, Paul, but I want you to maybe pick like one college basketball memory, mm-hmm. tournament, regular season, whatever, maybe a bet you made the last few years, five years, or just like some, something you pulled from the Morris book uh, – What's a take from college basketball from you that you just really like? Just something that feels good. Uh, I mean, I think when I, if I'm betting college basketball, which I don't do a ton, but you know, there's some NCAA tournament stuff that sure. pops up. It's kind of, I use kind of the same approach where I'm looking at like Ken Palm type metrics and yeah. try to see, all right, what, what are we, what are people missing or what goes against the, maybe the grain a little bit. Um, so I'm trying to think of something. I mean, I had Virginia when they won the title. Sure. I didn't have, they were coming off after they lost to UMBC the year before. Yeah. I had them in the final that year. Yeah. I, I, I put something on them to get to the final. Not necessarily win it, but you know, just getting to the final right. uh, turned out to be enough. And I think, I can't remember the price exactly, but I feel like the price for a one seed that I think was the second overall seed in the tournament mm-hmm. was low in part just because nobody believed in them because they just lost they to UMBC. Yeah, yeah. And they also play a style that n- isn't fun to watch. And right. you know, admittedly, they got really lucky to get there. They could have yes. lost to, I think, Purdue. Purdue. And I think and then- it was another game. Uh, that they could have easily yeah, lost. I, I know what you're talking. About. I can't recall the team. Tennessee, but... maybe. What? I can't. Uh, Auburn, Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, yeah Auburn. That, yep, yep. Yeah. They could they have lost both those games. Uh, foul uh, yeah. on the three point attempt. Guy right. went and sunk those three free throws. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like I'm going out on a limb there, but I mean that was a fun run for me personally, yeah. Yeah. having them get to the final. Obviously, win the title, but from my perspective, just get to the final. Yeah. Uh, pull a few rabbits out of their hat. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was a fun one, and you know, I mean, sure, of course, there's obviously some luck involved, but sure. it was a, it was a good run for me. Yeah. Um, those five thirteen match or five twelve, what five twelve, yeah, five twelve matchups. Those are always the fun ones. I I always at least pick a couple of those whenever I take my straight up dogs. 
you know, those, mm-hmm. and then just finding a team that you have uh, conviction in and the, you know, team that you were able to find some of those, like you said, underlying things and maybe just compile it from round to round, maybe bet on them. And right. instead of making a full on futures run on them, right. just take that money line and just keep stacking yeah. it. You know, That's often the better thing, especially sure. with the favorites. I mean, yeah, even having Virginia in the final beforehand probably wasn't the best mathematical play, Sure, uh, but we talk about this a lot with regards to Champions League in mm-hmm. the knockout stage. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Bayern's probably a good bet, like, but they're probably the second best favorite, second or third favorite to win the title. And yeah. you really are just better off betting each individual matchup yeah. uh, to advance each one. Now, if you get a longer shot, I, for example, I had Atalanta, uh, I think it was before the knockout stage started in the round of 16. I had them at 80 to one yeah. to win the title. And if you oh, can get wow. something like that, that's pretty good because you're probably not gonna. That's not gonna add up the same way if you bet them each round. It might depending sure, on the sure, matchups. Sure. Yeah, but uh, those are the ones I will t- tend to look toward when you're in this knockout type of competition. Right. Because, like you said, usually it's just as good to just kind of let that ride on an individual knockout basis. But if yeah. you can find those long shot futures that that look like there's really good value, then that's where you maybe take a chance. Yeah, it's hard to duplicate eighty to one value for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul, I want to talk a little bit more about soccer because I am, I'm mm-hmm. a sponge and I'm learning more about this um, before we let you go and whatnot. But uh, before I do that, I got to, you know, do my duties here. I want to talk about our other sponsor for the show, and that is mybookie.ag. Uh, we got promo code HOOPBALL going with them, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Um, going to get 100% initial deposit bonus match, and then we're also going to hook you up with a $10 free MLB futures bet. So if you've been tracking the show, been tracking the action network or me on tally site, you've seen that like baseball's where it's at for me. I love it. I predicted and here, Paul, I'm going to tout a little bit with you here. Do it. Uh, A's Braves and Rays. I made a little Dr. Seuss mm-hmm. book on my uh, MLB preview <laughs> show. And then I also gave the white Sox out to all win their divisions. So I'm just, uh, I'm a little high on that right now. So uh, it's, there's still work to be done. But uh, to wrap it all up, guys, you could have taken some of those futures bets, that $10 future bet, taken one of those division winners over at mybookie.ag, bet, win, get paid. Let them know, D-A-L-E, 007, Devin, whatever you want to call me, sent you. Hootball is the promo code. Paul, okay, so let's talk about some domestic stuff. Maybe familiarize some people with a couple of – or one MLS team that maybe you're looking at as a dark horse to make some noise? Or, I mean, what are you looking at? Are you looking at some sporting success? You know, I feel like every year sporting is undervalued. Like yeah. I definitely picked them uh, beforehand. Usually then the 12 to 20 to one to win MLS right, cup, right. something like that, which I feel like is usually a pretty good deal. The last couple of years has not uh, worked right. out well because they always, right. they just seem to struggle depth wise, especially toward the end sure. of the season. Um, you know, to, to be honest, I've been out of the MLS loop a little bit uh, sure. since they had that MLS back is tournament. Yeah, MLS is weird. back tournament mm-hmm. to get things started, which was kind of a fun way yeah. uh, to get things going again. So, I mean, it, it's hard for me at this point to bet against the Northwest teams, your Seattle's and your yeah. Portland's, yeah. just because they have a history of getting it done. History meaning the last five six years yeah. of being good both in the regular season like they are now and when it comes to the playoff time you know they have coaches who are experienced and have dealt with this and can do it so it's hard to go against those two teams just because they have the talent they have the coaching they have the experience they kind of check all your boxes from a you know intangible and kind of tangible way as well 
And MLS is tough to bet. I mean, it, sure. really, I don't bet it on it a ton. It's far less predictable than you know your Premier League, where you have your clear tiers kind of of teams. Oh, okay, MLS shifts a lot. A little more uh, parity. Yeah, there's a, there's more parity, so the teams are all closer, top to bottom. You get just have weird stuff where uh, you know, midweek games and we're not going to take our A team because we need to save it for this more important conference game over the weekend. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, there's always weird stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's really the parody just makes it tough. Uh, it makes it fun as a fan like, to yeah. watch. Is You're never quite sure what's going to happen. But almost every weekend in a set of 10, 12 games, there's going to be one result. They're just like, what in the what? world was that? <laughs> yeah. And you're not quite sure. So it's a, it's a fun league to follow. It's a tough league to bet. Uh, there's probably some edges that people can find, some opportunities. Uh, I haven't had the fortune or the ability to really find those yet but right. it's a it's a fun league to follow and they've embraced betting you know you go to mlssoccer.com and they have the lines are right there on the homepage with yeah. the schedule that's coming up so like a lot of leagues they're doing that uh, so there's opportunity there both for the league for teams for fans betters to yeah. uh, get into this as it keeps growing you know and that's just and we kind of saw it a little bit when the xfl made its return you know yeah. having those numbers right there on the ticker it, it doesn't mean a lot but mm-hmm. it does for some people like scott van yeah. pelt says it matters to some right uh, it matters to some it, it's it, just you know it's there it's it's, it's the it, fact that it's more normal it, now nor- yeah it normalizes it, exactly what i was yeah. going to say for people uh even if they're not you know most people just mathematically aren't betting right uh, but just the fact that they see it um things as simple as you know, people making picks on NFL pregame shows. Yeah. I forget which one I was watching, but they, there's, they weren't addressing the line directly, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the old way that people have always talked about it, going back to like Jimmy the Greek on the Today, NFL oh, Today yeah. back in the day. Yeah. We just say, I like this team by a lot. By a lot. Or, I think they're going <laughs> to squeeze out a narrow win, or I think this team will keep it close. Yeah, yeah. So you see a little bit of that. You see more announcers reference it, whether it's obliquely or directly. Yeah. Um, and all that, yeah, it matters to some, and it, matters to normalize this experience and just this is part of the sports fabric in the same way that we, as we said off the top it is that way in england and yeah. it's i don't it's never gonna be like that for not for a long time at sure. least because just sheer time but yeah. it's it's baby steps in that direction correct which hey i'm a father so baby steps are exciting they are. <laughs> so yeah, I, I hear you I, I can dig it um now, I mean, you just referenced, you know, I don't know if it was directly or purposely or whatnot, Paul, but you just kind of talked about some football. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. You like some football or what? No, I mean, you... I mean, so I'm trying to say, so my one, I think I'm trying to remember if I made another play, but my main play, I, I do like football. Yes. I'm a Dolphins fan. My dad's okay. from Miami. So I have that yeah. blessing and curse with me. Yeah. I'm also here. So I've enjoyed the Kansas City Chiefs sure. run. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, I cover the team. A yeah. lot of my friends are fans. It's impossible not to jump on that band. Right, so right. that's been a lot of fun. Uh, my daughter loves Patrick Mahomes, yep. which I'm okay with. Yeah. Uh, and so the one bet I liked on before the season was the Patriots to win the AFC East, okay. which, you know, for the last 20 years, it seems like they've been like minus 500 to minus 2000. Right. Right. And this year they were plus money. I think I got a plus 130. There you go. Um, you know, were the, are the bills a better team? Maybe, but Part of it is just it's ingrained in me, especially as a Dolphins fan. Bill the Patriots that. are the best team. Plus 130 looks insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's also a trust in Belichick. And yeah. they had a great defense last year, and I know they lost half the team on the defensive side. But yeah. they've still got plenty of skill. There's still talent. You know, Cam Newton, if he's healthy, is a above-average quarterback. Yeah. So, ultimately, I just kind of trust in Belichick and everything that he's built. So, 
uh, yeah, and it, I mean, it's them and the Bills. It looks like a two-horse race. So getting plus yeah. money on New England on that was a, an appealing thing to me. So that, yeah, yeah. that's what I, I went with from there. Well, <clears throat> I was going to save this take for Thursday because, you know, as you know, your Dolphins are playing Thursday night football. Uh, and, and by the way, is there any more Thursday game than Dolphins and Jaguars? Yeah, the Bengals and the Browns. It yeah, was yeah, last this, week. This, this two-week <laughs> run is amazing for Thursday okay. night football. So you're going to think I'm crazy then because I actually think this is going to be one of the more exciting games of the, the week. Yeah. And I, all right, so I'm going to coin the term. I'm going to call it the magic show because you got Minshew magic, you got Ryan Fitz magic, Fitz magic and you yeah. got Magic Mike Jacecki. It's going to be go. the magic show. It's going to be, be like 70 points combined. I'm yeah, I mean, the Dolphins – Great. Again, not a great offensive team, but they put up 28 on the Bills. Right. They have one of the better defenses right. in the league. So, and the yeah, Jaguars you got whatever have it was. 32 weeks in a row. Right. Yeah, this yeah. could be it could be a lot like that Browns Bengals game, which wasn't the prettiest, but it was fun. Entertaining. You know, and ended with 60 whatever points. Right. Something right. like that. So, so yeah, yeah, this one could be fun because like you said, both teams kind of they really have nothing to lose. They're just kind of right. going for it offensively and either defense is great. Jags I think is a little better. True. But they haven't been great this season. Um, right. So, yeah, I think it'll be fun. It, yeah, it may not be um, pretty, but it, I think it'll be yeah, fun. Yeah. Hey, fun and pretty are not always synonymous, but nope. hey, we, we got to take what we can get. And, That's you know, right. there's some really good young talent to keep an eye out for both mm-hmm. of the teams. So I'm excited. Like I said, the magic show, it's going to be go. Thursday night. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, you know, one more time, I want to make sure that everybody that is listening to this knows exactly where to find you. Um, at True Media Sports on Twitter also. Yep. At yeah, Paul at, Carr. At, at True Media Sports, you know, we try to just give people a, an idea of what we do and some of the sure. notes and things, tools you can generate with our, uh, with our platforms and such. At Paul and Carr, mostly soccer. Yeah. Uh, I love Americans, especially playing in Europe, so you're going to see a lot of notes on that. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I was looking through your stuff. The kid uh, scoring the goal since uh, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, Gio uh, Reyna, 17-year-old yes. American yeah. kid playing in yeah. Germany, second yeah. youngest uh, American to score in the Bundesliga. Yeah. I love those notes. I mean, they're obviously not – those aren't betting-centric things. Those are more just right. like historical context. That goes to my – uh, history, yeah. Not, yeah. knowledge of and love of sports history that I talked about. Exactly. And, you know, some of, a lot of times it's to point out, hey, this is a historic thing. Look, this 17-year-old kid is scoring in the Bundesliga. Sometimes right. it's people climbing lists and the names that they're passing are even just from 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah. A lot of hardcore soccer fans may not know these guys, these Americans had success in Europe. And it's a reminder to me too. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this guy played there. Right, so it's right, just fun yeah. bringing up names from the past. It's the same in any sport, you know, at ESPN, anytime, uh, baseball, for example, someone does something and the right. list turns out to be Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Like that's fun. That's yeah. a good note. You know, we're here to have fun with sports. So if, you yeah. can, if you're getting whatever, Aaron Judge on a list with Ruth and Mantle, that's a good note. That needs yeah. to be a graphic. That needs yeah. to be something in a show, yeah. whatever it is. So it's kind of the same sort of thing I take with Americans uh, playing abroad. Just, you know, get yeah. some fun names and, and learn some stuff. And if we can't have fun with sports, then what are we doing? Exactly. And, you know, for those of you who love it, like we do, you know, you're going to appreciate those things just because it puts it in the context, not only for your timeline, but, you know, the rest of the sports and the way that the leagues that are associated with these stats and these numbers tend to, you know, develop and kind of change throughout time. So, but how they also stay the same relatively and how just ageless like you said baseball is it's just it's it's a beautiful thing that is sports and sports betting and numbers and everything well paul this is the unfortunate part of the show where i you know i gotta let you get on with your day i gotta get (laughs) on with mine and 
um, you know, again, I, I just can't believe that I was able to get this knocked out with you. It is a bit of a surreal uh, feeling, just the fact that I have another, another numbers lover on the show. I didn't realize we had the Kansas tie, so that was yeah. kind of cool. Uh, hopefully we can do it again soon or uh, within the near future. Uh, I would much love that. So um, any parting wisdom words from <laughs> Mr. Paul Carr? Uh, I guess, not particularly. I guess I could say, you know, as much as I go into these underlying numbers, uh, I think the one thing that people overlook sometimes is like, these numbers are not the end all. You know, this is not gospel. It's still sure. sports. Stuff still happens. There's always more context. You know, all, these numbers can say all, all we want, but uh, sometimes you can't factor in they play this type of attack for any sport. They do this, and that doesn't go well with the way this team defends or, sure. or whatever it is, or someone's yeah. hurt. Or, yeah. um, so that's what makes it fun. It makes it uh, challenging from kind of an intellectual puzzle standpoint uh, is trying to fit all these pieces together and see where it leads you from a, from a betting thing. And yeah. so, yeah, so I like to start with numbers. There's always more. Some people like to start with their impressions and what they think from a right. tactical standpoint and then mm -hmm. fit it into numbers or whatever it might be. So sure. there's no right or wrong. This is uh, the yeah. way that I like to do it. And like I said, my last answer, it's sports. If we can't have fun with sports, what are we doing here? Exactly. I mean, I think that's the perfect thing to leave it off on there, Paul. Again, thank you so much, boss. Um, again, it was surreal for me. He's at Paul Carr. I'm at D-A-L-E-007. This is a HoopBall gaming presentation, hoop-ball.com, guys. Again, thanks to the listeners, and again, thanks to Paul. Paul, I look forward to more soccer knowledge from you in the future, <laughs> bud. Take care, okay? You bet. Thanks. Yeah. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.